broadband. We need it for work and for school, for our health and our economy. What's being done to bring broadband internet access within reach of every American? Let's talk about it now on Rural Broadband Today. Here's your host, Stephen Smith. Welcome, I'm Stephen Smith, and thank you for tuning in to Rural Broadband Today. My guest on this episode is Karen Jackson Furman. Karen is Chief Operating Officer for Ardmore Telephone Company that serves portions of Tennessee and Alabama. Ardmore recently won a sizable grant loan combo from USDA's ReConnect program, and we're going to dive into the specifics of that. Karen has more than two decades of experience in the telecom industry. She has served in roles such as Chief Information Officer, CFO, and now a COO of Ardmore Telephone and its parent company. Some of the takeaways from my interview with Karen include the nature of Ardmore Telephone's service area, from considerably rural in some parts to a metro bedroom community. Listen in particular as Karen explains the ownership uh, and the management model of Ardmore Telephone and how that has led to greater efficiency and better customer service. And lastly, there's a lesson for all broadband providers, I think, in our story today, but particularly for small operators who may doubt their ability to tackle major projects because of their size. So let's dive right into my interview with Karen Jackson Furman with Ardmore Telephone Company. Well, welcome to the podcast, Karen. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Stephen. I'm excited to be here. Well, you uh, you guys got some really good news recently with uh, the uh, ReConnect uh, funding. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah, we did. Ardmore Telephone was successful in their application, and we're really we're really excited about that too. Well, tell us a little bit about the uh, the communities that, that that project will serve. Now, I know Ardmore Telephone Company actually has customers in Ardmore, Alabama, and Ardmore, Tennessee. If you've ever been there, you're you're in you're in Alabama, and you drive under the the overpass, and you're in Tennessee, so you have uh, you have customer base on both sides. Uh, tell us about the area that this uh, grant will serve. Okay, uh, yes, there's there's actually two areas. They're not uh, they're not connected. There's two areas in Tennessee that this uh, grant's going to help us build. To the first area is in Benton County, Tennessee, which is actually a CLEC area for Ardmore Telephone. Uh, it's located east of Paris, Tennessee, over toward the Tennessee River. It's very rural. Uh, we'll pass about seven locations per mile of fiber that we plow, or 654 total locations in the entire uh, build. There's some light communities, uh, so there it is a rural build. And then the second area is mostly in Lincoln County, Tennessee. It spills over a little bit into Giles County, but that area is in our McBurg Exchange, which is part of our ILEC area that Ardmore Telephone serves today. This area sits due east of Pulaski, Tennessee. Uh, it's rural two, passing about eight locations per mile of fiber that we plow and that total build will pass about 1,004 total locations. So you have uh, seven and, and eight customers per mile of line. How does that compare to the uh, to the rest of the, the Ardmore Telephone service area in terms of density? Ardmore Telephone is more dense than, than the, what I've just described to you. We actually sit just north of Huntsville, Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama and it's an area of growth. Huntsville is 
the subdivisions and bedroom communities of Huntsville are actually growing up into the southern uh, boundaries, uh, southern exchanges of Ardmore telephones. So we, I don't have a number. I, I'm not sure what our, our uh, number of locations served per, per linear mile are right now. But it's much denser in our traditional ILEC area than where we're, we're, we'll be building. Now, of course, I'm referring to Benton County because that's a new build for us. Uh, McBurg, we currently serve now with copper facilities. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a little more rural than the southern part of, of our territory, which is closer to Huntsville. And all this new build will be fiber to the home? Yes. And and I believe that uh, you're you're also in addition to serving uh, residential areas, you're going to pick up some uh, businesses and, and maybe some other key institutions. Yes, we hope to. Uh, probably not as many businesses. It, again, it's very rural, but there's always mm-hmm. there's always a few peppered around the area. Uh, mostly residential communities, though. Mm-hmm. Well, the. The reconnect grant, of course, that is uh, that's quite a process. Anytime you go to the federal government and apply for a program that they're going to be loaning or uh, granting some money, and one of this size, which we'll get into in a moment, um, certainly uh, there's just a lot involved. A lot of uh, a lot of work goes into that, and just to get to the point of making the decision that as a company we're going to dedicate resources to applying for this. And then, uh, you know, actually going through with that. Talk to us a little bit about what that's about, especially for those companies that may be listening to this and they're thinking about one of the rounds of, you know, Reconnect and, and some other grant opportunities that may be, may be available. What else involved in that? Yeah, you, uh, as you know, the process is long and a lot of work goes into putting together the application we actually applied for these areas in the first round of reconnect, but our application was turned down. So we tweaked the area just a little bit and reapplied and we were successful in the second round. So our efforts were about a year and a half in the making. Uh, we did a lot with regard to community support. We deployed people out into the grant areas that we, we wanted to build to gather data and gather letters of support for the grant application. Uh, there was a lot of engineering and cost calculations and a lot of financial analysis as well. Uh, now that we've been awarded the grant and loan combination, we still have a lot to do. We we have environmental analysis that takes time, and we, we have to take care of all the post-award red tape before construction can actually begin. So it, it is a long process, and there's a lot of documents and, and information that has to be gathered for submission, and it's a very comprehensive uh, process. There's, there's a lot to it. This is, a, you know, as you know, a federal grant. Um, the state grants tend to be a little more straightforward and a little a little faster to pull together, and, and the timeline to announce um, awards is, is quicker on the on the state sides. But the federal process is is quite a process. And what was the total? Uh, yours was a grant loan combo. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, we uh, received an award of four point nine million dollars in grant funds and four point nine million uh, a four point nine million loan. So it was a fifty fifty application. Uh, the Lincoln Giles build is actually the bigger of the two. It's one hundred and twenty five miles, while Benton County is is ninety miles. But it was a fifty fifty split to cover both both of the builds. And it's not like when uh, when they send you notification, they send you a check for all that money, right? I mean, you have to be prepared no. to uh, 
<laughs> to, to really that's uh, right that that's work. right right you have to build it first and then there's a, a, an application process where they reimburse you for funds uh, spent for eligible funds so there the reporting requirements not only is the application process itself you know cumbersome but then there's a lot of reporting and a lot of requisition and things like that on the backside to actually pull down the grant and, and loan funds as you complete the build. I think there's a couple of important points there that, that we can pull out. One, if a company is looking at doing this, they, they need to know that there is a lot of work and a lot of, uh, you know, fin- financial resources that they're going to have to bring to the table um, to, to be prepared to expand before uh, the money comes in. But I think uh, the flip side of that is some smaller companies may look at the process and say, that's that's just too much work for us to be able to manage. But Ardmore Telephone is is not a big company, right? No, it's not a big company. It's a subsidiary of, of WKNT, as you know. Uh, so the management team here at WKNT, we also manage Ardmore Telephone. And that was a project we, we took on, and we do a lot of the work internal. Um, it is a, a drain on resources. It takes a lot of time, but we have, uh, you know, outside resources as well. Our engineering firm and, and our consulting company, uh, they they helped us along the way, and so it's it's really a big joint effort for sure. Yeah, and, and I think that's one takeaway is that you know a smaller company can look at this and say you know we we can do that. I mean we can pursue these funds, and and of course now with uh, so much emphasis on solving the real broadband issue, you know now's the time I think for uh, providers of all sizes to to be looking at those opportunities and. And pursuing those, I think prior to the uh, to the pandemic, we certainly had a continually uh, building momentum for uh, solving the rural broadband issue. But I think the spotlight has been shown very brightly on just how important, and I would say how vital, uh, broadband connectivity is. And I would say even especially in rural areas where just the the general remoteness of you know being located away from, you know, metropolitan areas and um, healthcare facilities and, you know, job opportunities. And now that we're out there working from home and going to school from home and doctor visits from home and all these things, it's become even more important. Oh, I agree. I agree. It is. It is important for sure. The need is uh, greater than ever, you know, for our more telephone itself, for the, for the company itself. You know what this build is going to help us achieve is is growth for the company and much needed growth to remain viable well into the future. Now, I think everybody listening on the podcast, I'm going to guess, understands the benefits benefits of fiber connectivity. So, for the residents and the businesses that will be able to serve with fiber when this build is complete, uh, this is where I could recite the laundry list of of benefits. You know, it's it's the entertainment, the streaming services streaming TV, streaming, downloading movies, and and the entertainment component. It allows people to keep connected with loved ones that are located across the country or across the world even. Working from home, and in light of the pandemic, working from home and the the transition there has been huge for for folks, and they need a, a reliable, fast broadband connection in order to be able to successfully work from home. 
virtual classrooms for online learning. We're seeing so much of that. Many of the school systems even have options, you know, for if, if they're not 100% virtual, the option is usually given for the, for the family to either send the child to the school or to stay home. And a lot of colleges, college classes are online and virtual too. Shopping, of course. I hear reports all the time, especially from some of the more at-risk population with regard to COVID, you know, they're doing a lot of online shopping, ordering groceries and things for uh, a quick pickup in the parking lot, things like that. Telehealth, you know, um, doctor's offices here the last few months haven't been really the place people wanted to visit in person if they didn't have to. So telehealth and and then also there's the increased property value component. Whenever, uh, yeah, I read a, I read a study and I'm not going to be able to name the study, but back in earlier this year, if, if a home or, or business has uh, fiber connectivity and have a gig connection available to them, and that's what we offer. We offer packages all the way up to a gig symmetrical service. Those property values increase by an estimated 7%. So it's really, it's beneficial for, for everybody that we hope to serve in the future. Mm, yeah, great points. You uh, touched on something earlier that uh, I, I want to backtrack to here. The uh, Ardmore Telephone is in a bit of a unique situation in that it is a small company serving um, a, a mixed area with, you know, very rural and then some with some greater density, as you mentioned, the bedroom community of the uh, major uh, metropolitan area in Huntsville, Alabama. So you've got, you, you've got a, a diverse customer base there. But several years ago, Ardmore Telephone was purchased by uh, WKT Telecommunications Cooperative, located in um, western part of Kentucky. And that's a bit of a unique situation that you, you don't see a lot around the country in uh, where a cooperative has purchased an independent company. And that has, uh, that has really allowed Ardmore to uh, take advantage of some synergies there and, and really leverage the benefits of a larger uh, company. And you mentioned the, uh, uh, you mentioned some some sharing of of management. Talk to us a little bit about how uh, Ardmore and and its customers have benefited from that relationship with the cooperative. Well, I think that uh, you, you know, and this is my my opinion, but I feel like the industry right now we're in growth mode. You know, I know we are as personally as an individual company, WKNT or Ardmore in growth mode, and I think that that that's something that uh, all companies need to be looking at uh, to, to remain a going concern. Uh, the markets are getting more competitive right now. There seems to be a lot of broadband initiatives and funds being made available for expansion and, and upgrading facilities. So, and so everybody needs to be taking advantage of that, in my opinion. Uh, we certainly are. Ardmore uh, and I wasn't here whenever it was purchased by WKNT, but I know that over the years that I have been with WKNT, which is five years now, I've seen Ardmore grow. I've seen the bottom line strengthen, and I have seen it uh, be able to take advantage of more opportunities than perhaps it could have if it would have been a standalone uh, a company. So the support 
that WKNT and the staff here at WKNT, the integration and the synergies that we've been able to uh, recognize and, and efficiencies that have been implemented have really allowed Ardmore uh, and put Ardmore in a, in a great position for future growth. That, and we can't ignore the proximity uh, to, to Huntsville and that the inherent growth, the organic growth that the company is seeing from just, just the, the explosive growth, growth in Huntsville itself that's spilling over into the Ardmore territory. But it's really the resources at WKNT have really uh, enabled Ardmore to capitalize on all those opportunities. Uh, just just the management structure alone, a uh, company the size of, of Ardmore would still have to have a lot of the management structure that you're able to share between the two uh, organizations, right? Yes, that's right. And we're, we're able to, to use the same management staff to manage all the, all the properties. And, uh, you know, that's just been a huge benefit and a huge cost savings to Ardmore. And not only do we share a management team, but as time passes and as we implement new processes and procedures, we always evaluate what historically has been done at Ardmore in comparison to what historically has been done at WKNT. And we continually try to move those processes closer together so it's seamless. And as we do that, uh, we're able to share more and more staff, not just management staff. A good example of that would be sales staff. Uh, you know, we, our, our sales staff could, if needed, travel between the two companies and, and help out on different projects. Customer service, right now our phone systems are fully integrated. And if all of the customer service representatives at Ardmore are, are, are unavailable or are tied up on the telephone, those calls roll to the customer service staff at WKT. And we're able to help that customer um, rather than placing them on hold or sending them to a, a voicemail box for a callback. And that happens in reverse, too. WKNT's calls roll to the staff at, at Ardmore should there uh, not be anybody available up here to take care of that customer whenever they call in. So we've had a couple situations where we've had power outages and different things. And we've been able to continue at one location but not the other. And, and the, the location that's still operational has been able to pick up the slack and take care of the customers at the other organizations. So there's a lot of benefits beyond just cost sharing um, for, for Ardmore Telephone. There's also the benefits of being able to provide interrupted service to those to the customers should there be issues on their end or, or the other end. So it's, it's really a, a great arrangement, and it works nicely for both companies. Mm, so that's... We're not talking about only operational efficiencies that might help the bottom line. We're talking about better service to the end customer, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. Uh, it's 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 um, it's something that keeps keeps the lights on when the lights would typically maybe perhaps go off. If that makes any sense, that wasn't a very good way yeah. to frame that, but. But no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is, it is an increased customer benefit and it's seamless and the, and the customer may not, customer may not recognize it because they don't know that the phone call has rolled to the company in West Kentucky or vice mm -hmm. versa. But, but they know at the end of the day, somebody, a live person is picking up that telephone and they're able to answer their questions or help them with the services that they need. Yeah. And they appreciate that. Yeah. Let's take a, um, let's take a step 
back and look at a little higher level, Karen, do you think uh, you, you've been in this industry for quite some time? And do you think we are doing enough as a nation to solve this rural broadband issue? Well, broadband deployment is certainly an area of focus. It's a hot ticket item right now. Everything from the FCC, USDA, Congress, we have we have candidates that are up for re-election or running for the first time, and it's a big part of their platforms. Many states like Tennessee and Alabama have, have rolled out broadband programs. Uh, Tennessee's really been a leader in that space, too. I want to I wanna make note, I think, that they've done a phenomenal job. So we're doing a lot as a nation. However, I think sometimes the mapping data and its lack of granularity can be an inhibiting factor, uh, as well as some of the programs allow for carriers to kill eligibility of many census blocks or census block groups by quickly throwing up a fixed wireless solution that meets the bare minimums that makes the area appear to be served for purposes of eligibility for some of these grant programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I know there are initiatives to fix things like the mapping issues and, and the FCC continues to evaluate the definition of broadband and that's that that's up to 25 meg down and three meg up now as as we all know and they continue to look at that to see if it needs to be moved higher but until things like that are addressed i think we're always going to have those pockets where the folks lack the connectivity they need for their uh, businesses or even for for their homes Uh, so i think that you know we're doing a lot like i said we're doing a lot as a nation um you know, I, I will throw in here that Ardmore not only was a recipient of this this reconnect grant loan combination, but we were also recently approved for a twenty point three million dollar USD loan to continue to build fiber out into all five of the incumbent exchanges. So everybody's working very hard at both the state and federal levels to make resources available so that we can continue to push broadband further and further out into the rural areas. Um, It's a process. I think it's going to take time. I think that as these programs are rolled out, areas of deficiency are identified. And as long as we continue to address those and work to get better, I think eventually we'll get there. And I can't, I don't have a crystal ball to say how many years that's going to take. But right now, the biggest concern that I I can see personally is these small pockets of people that are deemed served according to maps, but uh, but aren't really. And I think that eventually we're going to have to figure out how to uh, cast a light on that and provide the clarity and the resources we need to, to get to those people. Mm, that is a great point. And you mentioned um, in your comments there, uh, fixed wireless, with the uh, Art of Ardoff auction coming up, uh, FCC next month, starting out, the um, we hear about a lot of different types of technology to connect people, and fixed wireless is there. And, you know, there's, there's probably going to be some uh, satellite uh, deployment that's going to, uh, it's, it's going to win some money in, in, in that auction. And, uh, and that sort of thing. Do you think, uh, from from your experience and what you're seeing on on the ground, that there is a substitute, a better answer than fiber to the home? I don't think so at this point. Um, 
I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks in the industry have a lot of hope for 5G. Uh, I think that that's a very, it's a viable technology. I'm not an expert uh, in the technical field or with, with the wireless technologies that are, that are available out there by any means. I just, I read the industry information that comes out like so many others. I think that there's a lot of, of hope being cast on 5G. I think that the application for rural areas might have a little, a little way to go. So right now I, I'm, I would put my money on fiber. You know, fiber connectivity is, is it's proven. It's scalable. Um, I really do. It's been de- it's been called future proof. I mean, nobody mm-hmm. can can see what the future holds thirty, forty, fifty years from now. But I think that if anything is future proof, it would be fiber connectivity right now. Yeah, yeah, well said. Um, does Ardmore or WKNT uh, plan? Are, are you pursuing any of the uh, Ardoff funds? WKNT is looking at. Uh, <clears throat> A broad scope. Uh, we're trying to fish through all the data. There's a lot of considerations when you're looking at a reverse auction. There's always, you know, risk in whatever business model you put together. Ardmore, Ardmore Telephone, uh, we're still evaluating Ardoff opportunities for Ardmore as well, but I think probably the focus is going to be with WK&T in the Ardoff auction. However, Ardmore... Uh, it's safe to say that for Ardmore Telephone, whatever additional funds, grant opportunities that are made available, uh, we'll be evaluating, pursuing it if it fits our business model and it's good for the folks we serve and and good for the folks that we hope to serve in the future. So, well, Ardmore still has um, a a good bit of uh, uh, copper in its uh, network, right? Yes, it does. Are you, um, do you see a day when, uh, when you have a complete fiber network, uh, there as, as a small, absolutely. A, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. You know, as I mentioned, we recently secured the $20.3 million loan. And then that along with, uh, you know, we've, we've been successful with the state of Tennessee and then also the, uh, $4.9 million grant, the $4.9 million loan. So we've got more than $30 million right now recently. Uh, that that we plan to put into the ground in the form of fiber. Uh, so that's our goal here in the next few years. We expect to have uh, almost all, if not all, of Ardmore Telephone's ILEC area 100% fiber connected. Well, I think the lesson to take away from that is regardless of the size uh, provider that you are and the size of the community, you can do it. It takes a lot of work, and if you dedicate yourself to it like you guys have and pursue those grants and, and work hard to make it happen, that, uh, that rural broadband is, uh, is a possibility in, in those areas, even, that, even with a smaller company and, and not as much density as you sure would like. So definitely hats off to the, to the hard work and the, the success that you've had there at Ardmore. Well, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. And and uh, we're excited about what the future holds, and we're excited about all the different initiatives that we've got on the table and all the future opportunities that we'll be taking a close look at. That's exciting. Well, Karen, thanks so much for joining us on the, the podcast today. It's, it's, a, it's been a pleasure to, to get your story here. 
Well, thanks, Stephen. It's been it's been fun, and I do appreciate you inviting me uh, to be on your podcast. And thank you for listening to Rural Broadband Today, where we take a look at the people and the issues shaping the rural broadband story across America. I'm your host, Stephen Smith. The program is produced by WordSouth, a content marketing company. Please share this episode with your network and help us tell the rural broadband story. Thanks for listening. Rural Broadband Today is a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company.